Andino Andina, the story continues. We stomped, half ran, half stumbled after the boy. He was met by his mother who opened the door to the cottage. Risha met us at the door. She was crying. There's been an accident. I froze. Felipe is... is in hospital. And Anna... Anna... Anna is gone. What do you mean? What do you mean gone? Me kidnapped? Missing? I grasped for the only straws I could even think about, even though I already knew the answer. She is dead. My daughter... My daughter is dead. A howl like a wounded animal filled the room. I dropped to my knees. No, 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 no! My head was spinning. The floor was moving. No, 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 no! This was not how it was supposed to happen. They were supposed to have a wonderful life together ahead of them. The shock seemed to reverberate around the room, ricocheting off the walls as if we were in a living pinball machine, being caught over and over with a rapid fire of accumulating hits of pain. Tonio didn't know what to do, or say. He attempted to clear his throat once more. What? What? He swallowed hard and tried again. What happened? Do you know? I crawled over on all fours to where Risha was sitting, leaning against the wall, rocking backwards and forwards like a catatonic child. The wailing, so like an animal's, were coming from some deep space I could not see or reach. Oh, Risha, I'm so, so sorry. I'm so sorry. I choked out, tears obscuring my vision. I'm so, so, so sorry. I put my arms around her, because it was the only thing I could do. I felt Tonya wrap his arms around us both, and heard him sobbing too. There would be no answers tonight. The rest is a blur. I don't remember much from that night. I hastily recall at some point Tonya making us hot drinks that smelled of something like brandy. I remember waking up on the floor, my head in Tonya's lap with a blanket over me. It took a few seconds to work out where I was, and why I was feeling so wretched and heavy inside. I turned my head, and in the grey pre-dawn light I could just about make out the shape of someone curled up in a fetal position on the sofa behind us. Oh my, Risha, I remembered. Remembering hit me like a fist to the stomach and nearly took my breath away. Anna. Anna was dead. Anna was dead and Felipe was in hospital. I don't know how we made it through the day. I stayed with Risha. Tonya went home to take care of the cats and then came back to look after us. I was dully aware of a few people coming and going until Risha's sister arrived and took charge. I vaguely recall Manolo holding Risha, talking in a hushed voice, and overhearing something about how Felipe, after being assessed, had been kept sedated and airlifted to Lacha, and the extent of his injuries. 
serious and extensive, but not life-threatening as far as they could tell. A week went past, then another one. We spent time with Risha and got to know her sister Elsa as well, who turned out to be very sweet as well as an effective organizer. I went through the motions typing or walking to the cave, sometimes just sitting there with the cats, our ones or the big ones, not even talking, staring at nothing, begging the pain to go away. Tonio poured his energy into exhausting himself with physical labor at the beehive or with Manolo, problem-solving of a more practical nature being his way to take his mind off things and passing time to speed up the grieving and healing process. Slowly, I began writing again. And when I say writing, I mean more than just pouring my own grief and conflicting feelings onto paper because I didn't know what else to do. At home in the cabin, Peluche and Kachina were my shadows. If I was in the cabin, one of them would be close by purring. They seemed to take it in turns to keep watch. If you take the morning shift, I'll do the afternoon. I know no one leaves unless their soul consents, but that doesn't mean I don't grieve just like everyone else. I missed my friend, my sister from another mother. I also longed for my friends back home. I cursed whatever had stolen Anna and Felipe's future happiness. I raged at how Anna's life and our friendship had been so brutally and irrevocably cut short. That sounds terribly callous even to me, but grief is not logical, nor is it linear. It flares up and kicks in unannounced, mysteriously triggered by the oddest things, seemingly without any sense or reason. Some days you feel almost fine, at peace and serene, then some small detail reminds you of something you'd forgotten and you find yourself falling apart, sobbing your heart out in a heap once more. Andina shimmered into a semi-form next to me, where I sat with Kachina in my arms, her voice gentle as liquid love. When you are leaving, or someone is slowly dying, it's hard to know what to do. You want to look after them just that little bit longer. You want to hold on and love them, and at the same time you know you ought to let them go. It is the same for the one dying, you know. If you are terminally ill or mortally injured, you want to hold on a little bit longer, because you feel your loved one's need and love for you and you know the pain of separation that is just around the corner, or perhaps a few breaths away, waiting to pounce. You want to hold that pain at bay for them for as long as you can. You'd rather take the pain in your own body for a little longer to stave off the pain that will come as soon as you let go. After they take their leave, it's the same. All grief will wait for you which is why you must allow yourself to grieve so you can let go a second time and then a third. As you let go of your grief, you allow yourself to live again, little by little, day by day. It does not mean you forget them. It means you love them enough to let them go, if they so choose. Celebrate their life, cherish the memories you made together, 
and cherish the love. No separation lasts forever. You will see each other again and you will rejoice once more. Did you get that, human cat? The separation you experience on this planet while you are incarnate is part of the game that is life on planet Earth. Do not fear letting go, because the only thing you are releasing is your own pain, nothing else. Nothing can diminish your love or the depth of your feelings. Nothing can take away your memories unless you want it to. And even then, you know how difficult it can be to forget some things, even those you prefer not to remember. The love you feel is yours to keep, always. Love is all that matters. When Anna's body was released, the family arranged for the funeral. I was pleased to learn that the Republic of the Andes favoured natural burials, with the body wrapped in a sky-blue shroud. A remarkable amount of mourners had gathered to attend. There was an abundance of flowers, and the trees had been decorated with shimmering ribbons that fluttered in the light breeze. Unfortunately, that was where the pleasantness ended. Anna's mother decided this was the perfect platform to vent. Everyone was at fault. The governors for not upholding the traditional way. The world for being too liberal and putting ideas into young women's heads, allowing them to study more than the bare essentials required. Servitude should instead be taught and reinforced. How the world refused to admit that educating women had been a mistake all along and should be limited to appropriate subjects such as cooking, baking, managing a home, caring for children and obedience to no one's place. A more conservative world would have made it clear to her wayward daughter that progress and a desire to change nature were wrong. If we were meant to fly, we would have been born with wings. To travel faster than we could run was never intended, she shrieked as if reading from a pamphlet. That got a few nervous titters from among the congregated. Valores traditionalis knows people are born where they're meant to be, and to go gallivanting somewhere else is wrong and should be prohibited. Anna should never have been allowed to go to Lajas to study. The schools are wrong and should take responsibility by not encouraging education by hiring female teachers. If Anna had studied at home, she would never have met that man who killed her with his own hands on the steering wheel by wanting to improve what was already good enough. By threatening other, more senior businessmen, he signed his own death warrant. But that wasn't enough. Oh no, he had to turn the head of my already crazy daughter and drag her down with him. If Anna had married a traditionalist when she turned 17, she would still be here and have given me grandchildren. On and on she spewed her poison until her children and usually so placid husband looked decidedly uncomfortable. Finally, Anna's father decided enough was enough and sternly suggested they retreat to home so she could calm down. Taking hold of one of her flailing arms, he ordered Anna's brother-in-law to take the other, and they steered the hysterical woman away from the graveside. Fighting every foot of the way, the accusations and curses flying out of her mouth lacked her usual eloquence and degenerated to venomous and crude. 
That man did a deal with the dark forces and paid it by sacrificing Anna's life to spare his own. Wild-eyed and frothing at the mouth, she struggled against the constraint of her family and continued to scream how Anna had been born too easily, how she, her mother, would have welcomed and suffered the pains of childbirth gratefully in the knowledge that a painful birth would reward her with a dutiful and obedient daughter. Practically everyone present was looking embarrassed and uncomfortable. Risha pulled me and Tonya to her. She's a fucking monster, I hissed between clenched teeth. She's lost it. Try not to listen. Focus on the flowers, or that condor above us. See how graceful it's floating through the air, making use of the thermals. I tried. I really tried. But at the onslaught of such venom, it was an impossibly tall order. Nervous murmurs broke out as the shrieks faded with the distance put between the retreating trio, with much crying among Anna's contemporaries, children clinging to their parents, sobbing with fear. The officiator looked shocked too, but soon regained control over the situation. He cleared his throat and spoke in a clear, baritone voice. I am sorry about that. Grief does the strangest things to people. If we can take a moment to collect ourselves and remember why we are here, please. His official tone had the intended effect. We are gathered here today to mark the passing of Anastasia Myra Zapata Cardoso, a bright young woman known to you all as Anna. He paused to smile and look around, making sure the attention was where it was intended before he continued. Anna was a beautiful light, shining the way for students at our school. After the unfortunate start, it was a rather beautiful funeral ceremony, but the bitter aftertaste caused by Constanza's shocking performance could not so easily be shaken off or erased from anyone's memory. You accused us of killing Anna. You by allowing her to stay at your place sometimes. As if she wasn't a grown woman. Screaming Felipe had a death wish and that Anna died as a punishment because she refused to conform and because she, her mother, had failed to raise her daughter right. She truly believes Felipe used Anna as a sacrifice and everyone who condoned their love is complicit. I was trembling and shaking to my core. How could someone be so callous at your own daughter's funeral? She accused everyone of everything, Tonya said quietly. That woman is insane. She should be medicated or locked up in solitary confinement, Elsa said between gritted teeth. It's grief talking. Risha sounded very tired. Don't take any of it to heart if you can avoid it. Tonya, who was rarely lost for words, collected our coats to hang them on the coat tree. She was horrible to you! My heart was breaking and bleeding for the vicious way Constanza had attacked Risha. She has lost her daughter, Jackie. She's just looking for someone to blame. So have you, Risha. That woman lost her daughter a very long time ago. She's deluded, Tonya shuddered. She's in denial. I'm not, Risha said. The sheer venom in her eyes. She really hates us. I shivered. I felt as if someone had laid into me with boxing gloves. 
Constanza believes it is my doing. Anna did not embrace Valores Tradicionales, Risha said in a tired voice. In her closed little mind, that decision could never have come from Anna's heart, not from her own flesh and blood. In her narrow world, a woman does what she is told, and has no will of her own. But that's absurd! That Valores sounds almost like a cult, Tonio said. I don't know what a cult is, but I can tell you that VT is losing support every year. Like any tradition, its last die-hard supporters are fighting tooth and nail, but it's still a losing battle. What Constanza fears is being judged as a failure. Her own daughter grew up rejecting what she so staunchly believes in, choosing instead to become a modern woman. It can't be easy being a throwback. Women are born subservient and to obey the men. Police! Elsa shook her head, with an expression of pity and disbelief on her face. She's a narcissist and a stupid one at that. Horrible. I believe you're right there, Tonio. Have compassion for her. It can't be easy to be so set in your ways. She had a nice coat. Risha sounded unusually flat and subdued. How can you joke about... What else can I do, Jackie? Risha threw her arms up in the air. Her eyes glittered with unshed tears. If you can't find anything to appreciate about the woman, then love her for bringing Anna into this world. Her voice cracked with emotion as she spoke Anna's name, and she drew in a shuddering breath. Somehow I knew she was digging her nails into the palms of her hands to stay in control. I'm so sorry, Risha. I'm sorry. I get your point. I just get so... so... Fuck her! That's better. Please try not to let it get to you, or you'll make yourself sick. Breathe. Can someone bring mugs and honey to the table in the front room? I'll be with you in a minute. Risha disappeared into the pantry. I heard her take deep breaths. Elsa went to fill the kettle. Tonya steered me towards the living room. Sit. I'll bring the mugs and stuff. I sank down on the comfortable sofa. I'm sorry. I feel... spent, I said quietly when he returned. Exhausted, emotionally. You're okay, though, Tonya said in a hushed voice. I will be. Poor Risha. She really didn't deserve any of that. She loved Anna as her own. You can choose your friends, but not who you're related to. Anyway, the funeral is over now, Elsa said. I thought we could all do with some of this too. Risha joined us, placing a blue bottle with what looked like wood shavings in liquid in it on the table. We must have looked stumped because a weak attempt at a smile flickered across Risha's face. My own ginger brew. It's medicinal, she added with a wink. Oh, it's ginger. It looks like thin wood slices. Well, it's ginger, sugar cane, aniseed, sage, apple peel and lime zest, and a little brewer's yeast to give it a helping hand. You're a dark horse, Risha, Tonio chuckled appreciatively. It's not illegal, it's weaker than wine, and you can't drink a lot of it or it will set your stomach on fire, but a little in your tea when you've had a shock works wonders, or when it's cold. I'm not going to say no, I sniffed the pale liquid. It smells good. Tonya tasted the ginger brew before adding it to his tea. 
Ay, caramba! No, you really couldn't drink too much of that on its own. People drink the strangest things when they're desperate, I said. I once read about a woman in a retirement home who suddenly developed a passionate interest in eau de Cologne. Turned out she had been a sober alcoholic for decades and had taken to drinking the stuff. Tragic, really. Holy moly, Elsa said, shaking her head in disbelief. Going back to the funeral for just the minute, who was that young man holding Anna's mother's arm when they arrived? Anna's brother, Ulo. Ulo? That's unusual. It's not his real name, but it's what everyone calls him. I can't remember what his real name is. I could say he's one spoiled little shit, but that would be too kind. I giggled. I wasn't used to hearing such language from the normally so together, Isha. What I was going to say was, he had really hard eyes. I think it's more than that. I don't have any proof or anything, it's just the feeling I've got. But he does come across as a sociopath. Always taking pleasure in aggravating any situation and tormenting others. Takes all sorts, I guess, Risha said. Creepy, I agreed. Made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. And a man's view, Tonio? Shifty. I wouldn't trust him or give him a job. The older man following behind before leading her away was Anna's dad, then I take it. Yes, Umberto. That might be Ulla's real name too, actually, come to think of it. You don't seem too fond of him either. I find him a bit spineless for my liking. Betty thinks he's got a good thing going with his wife and daughters, pandering to every wish. So why would he want to spoil that by questioning anything? I find that sort of self-justifying behaviour, Risha searched for the right word, distasteful. Maybe he has a backbone, but in all the years I've been here, no one I know has ever seen it. They say the brightest lights are born into the most dysfunctional families, and they don't come much more dysfunctional than that lot. What about Anna's sisters? Two. None too bright, little woolly. Well, since you ask me, I'd say sheep, but probably happier for it. Neither are anything like Anna or old throwback jeans broke them both good and hard very early. I shuddered. Really, they do seem happy enough. We sat quiet for a while, drinking our tea. That ginger stuff really worked. I could feel the heat in my stomach radiating through my body and limbs, my hands warming and cheeks flushed pink. Everyone started to relax again. It was Tonya who broke the silence. Have you heard anything more recent about how Felipe is doing? Not personally, I haven't, but I know Manolo went to Laja to see what he could find out, seeing as Felipe is not local. Bronze idea? I suspect so. Any which way, Manolo knows a lot about cars. It's a bit of a hobby of his. My guess is he'll try to get a look at Felipe's. If the Guardias will let him, though, is another matter. On the other hand, it seems he's got angel wings, that one. If you catch him unaware out of the corner of your eye, try it sometime. Risha took a sip of tea. He suspects foul play? Tonio asked. Don't you? Half the community and a lot of people in Laja know Felipe is extremely forward-thinking and working on innovative things. And moreover, 
has the potential to come up with something that might just put other businesses' noses out of joint, you know. Tonya nodded. I heard as much at the beehive, he said. People are people. There's still jealousy and competitiveness, and not only when it comes to boyfriends and girlfriends, Elsa said with a sigh. Human nature. It is what it is. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Andino Andina is written, read, edited and produced by me. Copyright Liz Rosales 2014 and 2021